0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standem Special Edition. I'm your host, Mike Cicchini, the editor-in-chief of DennyGeek.com. And yes, I miss Alec and Kirsty too. But don't worry, they'll be back. I promise. But I've got a special guest this week in the form of Jed McKay, writer of one of the best Moon Knight runs ever. Forget that lousy TV show. You absolutely must read this Moon Knight comic. It's so good. Now, do you like my spooky background? Good, because Moon Knight is a spooky book. It's packed with serious nighttime atmosphere, vampires, and I mean a lot of vampires. They're even teasing the, re- the arrival of none other than Dracula as an antagonist. And I just can't get over the fact that Dracula is just like a major recurring villain in Marvel Comics. And I'm... Just living for the day, that's actually a thing in the MCU as well. But that's a conversation for another time. But to make this book even cooler, there's even a fun crossover with Werewolf by Night in the latest annual. So we get into all of that, including the fact that Jed also co-created Hunter's Moon. No, not the awesome ghost song. Hunter's Moon is, for my money at least, the best villain in Moon Knight history. But there's a little warning I got to give you here. There's some big spoilers for the latest issue of Moon Knight. So if you haven't, and I'd say there's probably like minor spoilers for the Moon Knight annual as well. So if you haven't at least read Moon Knight through issue number 16 and maybe that Moon Knight annual, you might want to check out of here and come back after the fact if you don't want to be spoiled. But in the meantime, for everybody else, let's hear what Jed had to say. So in the spirit of the season... I feel like between Moon Knight and Strange, you're kind of the keeper of Marvel's weird supernatural spooky stuff right now. Is that a fair assessment? I don't know if keeper is accurate, but they certainly give me plenty of it to play with. When your Run on Moon Knight started up last year, from the first issue I'm like, "Oh cool, like like there's going to be weird supernatural stuff and like there's vampires." And I love vampires. Um I didn't expect at the time for vampires to become like the, like the driving force of the run like it's not just about reese now you know it's like every single issue this has been a very sinister slow build and it feels like you're not even close to done with that vampire story
1: yeah i mean we we introduced uh, the structure uh, you know the the vampiric uh, pyramid uh, cult sort of system and, you know besides saw a very american form of vampirism a very american form of vampire hierarchy as opposed to you know your old world monarchies and whatnot. We introduced some in the first issue, and then I always knew, you know, having my back pocket for what we were going to do after we resolved the Zodiac arc, as it is with comics, if we were going to do something after we resolved the Zodiac arc. But we, you know, we got extended, and uh, we, do- you know, dove right in there. So we have that whole situation, you know, kind of rapidly reaching a boiling point, and we're going to see, uh, you know, in the next issue that's, you know, coming out this month. You know, a little more history behind that, a little more understanding of why things are happening the way they are and what is going to need to be done in order to uh, to deal with it.
0: There's so many different ways to approach Moon Knight. And, you know, there have been, what, like seven different Moon Knight series over the last decade or something like that or 15 years. like, And some of them are like very much... You know, street level action, you know, action hero stories. And some of them have been very superhero and some of them have been, you know, more focused on the mental elements than, you know, than your run was, at least at first. So, how would you kind of define your approach to Moon Knight? Because it is very superhero y, but it's also not. The kind
1: of byword, you know, the touchstone we had when we started that Moon, this Moon Knight series was. Um, I want to put Moon Knight back where I thought he worked best, which is, you know, on the street, but also didn't want him bumping up into, you know, Daredevil territory or Spider-Man territory, heaven forbid, uh, Punisher territory. Um, So the idea was street level, but weird, where, you know, you go to Spider-Man if someone's shaking you down, uh, you go to Moon Knight if someone's shaking you down, uh, and they also turn into a werewolf when the moon comes up, you know? That's kind of the niche I think he fits in, because Moon Knight is himself... In you know, impossibly weird character. You know, he's a, he's a very strange man, um, just in the things that he does, and the people he surrounds himself with, and the the kind of attitude he takes to things. So, I think that's kind of where his niche fits. You know, he's a bit of a misfit um, among the superhero community, and he, especially after the uh, the events that happened before, you know, the Age of Kanchu that happened before the series started. Uh, he's someone who's largely on the outs with his colleagues or his peers, and it's interesting to see how he rebuilds himself from that point.
0: The approach, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, because like some people, if you don't love weird stuff like I do, but at times, especially because of how many villains you've been able to introduce in the book and utilize, at times this almost feels like if Moon Knight had been like one of those like syndicated genre TV shows from from the '90s or something, where it's like super high concept, like l- loving of its genre. I mean, your writing is a little better than what we got on a lot of those shows, but you, you know what I'm talking about, or am I just completely off base here?
1: No, no. I mean, I think you're you're really on the right track in that. Um, one of the big things that appealed to me when you know I first kind of came up with this Midnight Mission idea is that it very much puts Moon Knight in the place. In a detective place, though he's not really a detective, and he doesn't describe himself as a detective, but you know, I, I really love those you know '70s procedural detective shows, like you know Rockford or Columbo, or uh, you know you can get into you know Simon and Simon and stuff like that, or you know Magnum PI, and I, I love that episode, episodic format. and I really think that's what we really leaned into when the series began. You know, a one and done story, but there's still things building up uh, for the arc as it continues. So I don't think you're wrong there. It's just my inspiration was less about, you know, 90s uh, genre episodic stuff and more in like, you know, 70s genre detective kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, no, like that that episodic structure, that building that framework that we can tell single stories and that acts as, you know, a generative, uh, you know, engine for creating new stories. There's always an excuse for someone to walk in those doors, sit down and have Mr. Knight tell them, you know, walk to the Midnight Mission. My name is Mr. Knight. How can I help? So, you know, failing any other inspiration, I can always just go to that.
0: And you, that assortment of villains has been great, and it's a great, you know... I mean, look, I feel like all Moon Knight villains pretty much are deep cuts, just by definition, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's been, like, Waxman and, and you know, and Zodiac, of course. Like, that was a great arc. But, you know, and Rutherford Winter. But Hunter's Moon is a winner. Like, like, Hunter's Moon is sticking around and has really you know hit something with fans there Can you talk about the creation of hunter's moon yeah of
1: course actually um this is one of those situations that writers hate where they have to admit that uh their editor was right um back when i was first yeah. as an editor go on <laughs> please do tell um back when i was first putting ideas together for moon night um i was just kind of throwing a lot of stuff around to cause I was really psyched for the book. I really wanted to get the job. So I'm like, I just sort of all my biggest ideas in here and just like kind of go over the top with it. And one of the ideas I had was that, you know, Moon Knight wasn't the only fist of Khonshu and that there was, there were fists of Khonshu in every you know nation around the world. And at one point they would get up, you know, quite irritated with him and then sort of descend on mass in New York to straighten him out. And Tom Brevoort saw that and he's like, I like that idea. I'm like, Oh, thanks Tom. That's great. You know, you're getting praise from Tom is, uh, you know, a real, real ego booster. He's like, but it doesn't work. I was like, ah, oh, man. He's like, I don't like. No one, no one really cares if there's a whole bunch of moonites. He just kind of like dilutes the uh, the brand if they're all extant at the same time. He's like, but if you give me one, you know, one that stands in opposition, you know, your old New Testament, your left and right hand, and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that works so much better. That's a really good idea, and then just kind of developed it from there because it really refined the um, just kind of the purity of that idea of this rival character who is very similar, you know, they both have the same job, but ideologically uh, divergent where they have, you know, Bader and Mark have very different uh, interpretations of what it means to be a fist of Conchu, uh what they should be doing, how they should be acting, what the relationship with Kanchu should be. It's just been kind of endlessly fascinating uh, he's a character who sort of has developed on the page in ways that I hadn't originally expected and, you know, re- have really come to enjoy. Like I, I was you know writing a Moon Knight issue six where he's patching him up and uh, he tells, you know, Mark Spector, he's like, you know, I may not like you, I may not even respect you, but we have the same father, which means that we're brothers. And it's like, I don't think I planned that until I actually wrote it on the page. So it's like, uh, oh, yeah, he's got me. Yeah. So yeah, Hunter's Moon. I really enjoy. Uh, I think he's a, a character I've had a lot of fun with, and um, you know, I always look back to my old, the terrible sketch I drew when I first came up with the character, and sent to Alessandro, and then he sent back this incredible, like polished, like iconic design. Where I am like, you know, there is not a lot of new superhero costumes you see that you are like, that's it. Like that's it's unlike any. It's it. You can tell it's a Moon Knight related character, but it's fully their own. So yeah, he he did an amazing job there.
0: Hunter's Moon kind of looks cooler than Moon Knight. Don't tell Dr. Shelby that. <laughs> and then Tudor. Tudor. You think Tudor's here to stay? <laughs> I mean,
1: the the, the Tudor is certainly... The thing is, Tudor's really making a lot of moves, and he's really uh, pushing Moon Knight, um, and you know, pushing him quite far, as we'll see in the very near future. But Tudor's never been in a room with Moon Knight yet, and when that happens, it's going to be
0: a very interesting experience for both of them. So now... We're going to talk some spoilers. Just back to Hunter's Moon for a second. Yeah. The end of number 16 sure is something.
1: Yeah, it's uh I'm not really sure how it's going to go down. Um I think it's I think it's a great moment. I think it's a dramatic moment that makes sense and uh I'm very curious what people's reactions are. <laughs> so, yeah, Hunter's Moon is uh quite uh quite badly treated uh throughout uh, <laughs> towards the back end of number 16 he's bushwhacked on a uh rooftop which i think is probably just the uh the original ninja turtles movie coming back to me uh, oh my god that as, is like the as best it always scene does. Oh, it's fantastic we leave hunter's moon uh, the the moon is set has but, it yeah.
0: though no
1: well i mean <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing we know the fist of konchu do do yeah. but uh you know we'll we'll see what
0: happens i'm sorry but that scene you're talking about in the first ninja turtles movie Until the Daredevil TV show came along, that was the best Daredevil movie scene ever filmed.
1: Oh, I've said for years (laughs) that that original Ninja Turtles movie was the best Daredevil movie of all time.
0: Now, your annual, you reunite the characters. Like, Moon Knight's first appearance was in Werewolf by Night. Some changes have uh, happened in Jack Russell's life. I have not kept up. With everything going on with that character through the years, so now he's the king of wolves. Well, what's up with Jack Russell now?
1: Well, Jack Russell is the uh, the king of all wolves. He's, uh, as he says in the annual, he he fought his way to ascendancy during the um, when all the, the werewolves of North America came together. He proved himself in the Winter Wars in Quebec against the Wendigo, and now he is the the leader of all werewolves, or at least uh, in title. Jack Russell's character he, from his very first appearance, he's had a long history with the Darkhold. And uh, his family's, you know, is tied back, tied up with it years ago or many, you know, many years, many generations. And uh, he has, you know, read the Dark Darkhold himself and he has found something he wants. He wants to free his people, the werewolves, from bondage to the moon and the moon as represented by
0: uh, everyone's favorite Conchu. Uh, Does the annual take place between... Issues fifteen and sixteen, or does it take place earlier in the run? Uh, the issue takes
1: place roughly the same time as issue fifteen. It's kind of like in between the the raindrops. There, uh, I I I think perhaps I just didn't think to ask when these issues were coming out because Hunter's Moon, of course, appears in uh, Moon Knight Annual number one, uh, and as we alluded to before, Moon Knight number sixteen, Hunter's Moon isn't moving around a whole lot by the end of it. Yes, uh, that this does take place before the events of uh, number sixteen. For any
0: confusion, you can feel free to blame me for not paying attention to the publication schedule. <laughs> it's not your fault. You don't set that. Last thing, um, issue 16, you do drop a big bombshell about what the Tudor's uh, ambitions are. And it's the first time, as far as I know at least, that Dracula's name has been mentioned in the Marvel Universe in quite some time. Um, what, what is the status of that character, and what, what are the kind of rules when you start bringing, bringing Dracula, Dracula back?
1: Actually, Dracula's been making some big moves over uh, in Avengers for a while. He's oh, uh, he, not caught up on Avengers. Uh, I'm there you sorry, go. Yeah, I no, he's he's established uh, the vampire nation of Chernobyl. So he's it's the only UN or not maybe not UN but internationally recognized vampire nation on the planet. So as far as movers and shakers in the vampire world go, you know, if you're trying to make big moves politically, big moves socially in the vampire world, you know, power plays, Dracula's a guy you're gonna have to deal with. As we see the tutor, he's making a move to you know to get in with Dracula. He wants he's wants to take his operation internationally. He wants to become a rising force in the, the vampire world. You know he's he's already well established in New York. Wants to take it further, and we're gonna see how that shakes out because he's invited a lot of friends over. It might be some party
0: crashers. I don't know. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. And that's it for this episode of Marvel Standem Special Edition. Don't worry. Alec and Kirsty will return. And we'll be back to doing these live on Twitch soon enough. But in the meantime, make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now. And do check out our live home, we are twitch.tv slash TV. Hit up DennyGeek.com slash Marvel for all our awesome Marvel coverage as well. We are at Marvel MarvelStandem on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a line there. Let us know your burning questions and what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. I would say send your hate mail there, but you know what? Please, you know, Don't do it. If you, if you want to get mad at me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at WayOutStuff. Anyway, I think that's it for this episode. Happy Halloween, everybody. And remember, folks... We stand together.